Hello and welcome to Reactive's Yellow Room. I am Evi Kiori and this week we are starting our podcast with news from Athens, where things are getting quite shady when it comes to press freedom. Last month we had the mafia-style killing of an investigative reporter, Yorgos Karaivas, and shortly after that another reporter, Kostas Vaksevanis, denounced to the police that he is receiving death threats. And coming back to Brussels, we are talking about the rollout of the COVID-19 travel certificates. The Commission aims to put into force the digital green certificates by the end of June in an attempt to give a boost to the free movement within the EU. And since this past Monday was the International Press Freedom Day, I feel like there is no better timing than this to touch upon what is happening right now in Greece with press freedom, the death of a journalist and the threats against another journalist. To shed some light on this story, I am joined today by Luca Bertuzzi, Euractiv's digital and media editor. So, Luca, you had a really interesting interview with Kostas Vaksevanis, who more or less described what is actually happening in Greece, but also he described why is he receiving death threats. So, what is it about? Kostas Vaksevanis received information that there was a death contract against him, put out by TV presenter Menius Fortiotis. The same source said that there was another contract against an unspecified journalist. Three days later, Georgios Caravas was murdered in a mafia-style execution. Now, just to shed some light on the background story here, Fortiotis has become notorious in Greece. Actually, the ex-minister of Labour and Social Affairs, Yanis Vurtis, revealed while talking to Documento and other media that Fortiotis had entered the ministry accompanied by his private security and started threatening the employees. And the reason behind that was because the ministry had decided to stop the funding of his journalistic activity because it didn't meet the criteria anymore. However, Furtiotis managed to get a funding of 200,000 euros that was not really justified. It's still not clear if the two contracts are related, although both reporters have investigated cases of corruption. What we know is that Furtiotis was arrested and charged for plotting Vaksevani's murder. The motive seems to be the accusations of fraud that Vaksevanis moved against him. Only after making these revelations public, the government increased Vaksevanis' protection. For Vaksevanis, this is not the first time experiencing something like this. He has been living under police protection since 2015, after he had received threats that his life and his journalistic career were in danger. However, As soon as the new Greek administration led by Mitsotakis took office in July 2019, the security measures were drastically reduced. It seems like this story goes way back in the past, so what could we say on that? Vaksevanis and its newspaper Documento have conducted several investigations on Prime Minister Mitsotakis, mm-hmm. accusing him of getting favorable treatments from banks. His wife was also reportedly holding undeclared offshore bank accounts. Vaksevanis laments that instead of answering these accusations, the Prime Minister started attacking him publicly and privately asking businesses to stop advertising on Documento. And is it true that Documento didn't take any share of the funding that was provided by the Greek uh, government to support media amid the COVID-19 crisis? Exactly. Documento was one of the main media outlets that was excluded by the financial scheme to support the media amid the COVID pandemic. 
And Luca, after reading your article on Euractive.com, I saw that the US-based Committee to Protect Journalists got involved in the situation. In which way and do we have any reactions from other organizations? Yes, of course. There are several international organizations that monitor the media situation worldwide. Mm -hmm. In Europe, the most famous is the European Federation of Journalists, as well as the Council of Europe. Uh, they all point to worrying developments in Greece. In particular, I've caught up with the head of Reporter Without Borders for the mm -hmm. EU and Balkan desk, who said that the media situation in Greece is in rapid deterioration. And why is that happening? Why do we see press freedom deteriorating? The main problem in countries like Greece is that media pluralism is limited by the fact that the media market is not profitable. As a consequence, the media are usually controlled by powerful businessmen that acquire media outlets not for an interest in journalists, but in order to control the narrative to promote their interests in other sectors. As a result, the media become a political leverage in a negotiation with the public authorities. Similarly, the media are also heavily reliant on public funding, which are usually distributed based on political sympathies with the government. Mm -hmm. And is the EU or the Commission planning to intervene somehow? There are several initiatives on mm -hmm. the plate and Commissioner Jourova is very much aware of the situation. However, whether these measures will be effective in time to restore democracy in countries like Hungary and to prevent the risk of this authoritarian tendency we see in Greece, mm -hmm. this remains to be seen. Well, many thanks to Lucas for shedding some light on this story. You are listening to Euractive's Yellow Room. And if you want to expand your knowledge on other EU policy fields, you can listen to our Digital Brief podcast and AgriFood Brief podcast. You can find them on your favorite podcasting app. And now we're moving on another topic, equally interesting, I would say, the Green Digital Vaccine Pass. Now, the Commission says that the majority of the EU countries should be technically ready for the COVID-19 certificates by June, as in an attempt to ensure the free movement within the EU. To find out more on this topic, I have with me today Gerte Pesetskite, Euractiv's health reporter. So we're officially moving towards a green certificate era. As of next month, June, the majority of the EU countries should be able to implement the Commission's plans. What are the new developments there and what progress has been made so far? Yeah, so as you mentioned, the date for the Digital Green Certificate to be implemented within the EU is in June. And actually, a precise date, uh, 26th of June, was given when the certificate would be legally valid across Europe and countries should be technically ready at the time as well. But um, yeah, and as some might know, last week, the Council and the Parliament has both adopted their negotiation positions on digital green certificates. And that leads the way to start interinstitutional negotiations between councils, parliaments and commissions representatives. And the trilogue actually started yesterday. So trilogue would go until the agreement is reached. But there is a push to come up with a common ground as soon as possible so that Europeans can enjoy summer holidays across the member states. During the legislation process, there are points that cause friction among the lawmakers, such as the use of these certificates or even the name. 
However, all three European institutions agree on the importance of having open borders and the need of a functioning Schengen zone. And as rapporteur from Parliament, Juan Fernando López Aguilar said during the plenary session, without free movement, there is no European Union. Uh, so they also rushed to avoid patchwork across the member states with a multiple of possibly incompatible national solutions, which would result in a variety of documents that cannot be read and verified in other member states. So like this is all on legislational process. And what about the technical side of the certificates? Will the system across the EU be ready once the legislation comes into force? Technical preparations are already happening while the legal basis is not ready yet. It is like this in order to ensure that the technical side is ready once the legislation comes into force. In other words, to have the system operational at the time the legislation is ready. Uh, so works on the technical side have started on the day the European Commission proposed the digital green certificate, which was on the 17th of March. And as for the last week, around 20 countries have already ready to start testing their systems. And during testing, the whole setup is checked and just basically to be confirmed that, okay, the system works, it, it is ready. Mm -hmm. It's ready to roll out, yeah. Exactly, exactly. And the testing should start from this week and all countries should have their systems checked by the beginning of June. And for now, the countries have, uh, have been divided into three groups. So one group will be tested within the first weeks of May, then another group should be running tests on the second half of this month. And then the final group uh, will get their systems checked at the beginning of June. And I assume such an initiative requires funds. So who is in charge of that? Is it a national responsibility or does the Commission provide funding? For now, it is on the member states to set up the system, the infrastructure and to finance it. But it is possible to get 1 million euro support per member state if financial support from the union is needed. And in the meantime, the Commission is responsible for setting up the gateway at the EU level. And an estimated cost for that is around 15 million euro. So the EU budget for this exercise reaches around 40, 45 million. And do we know what is the plan for the EU citizens that haven't been vaccinated yet or won't be vaccinated by that time? And this is important for the younger generation, who is the last one in the vaccination process. Yeah, indeed. I think what is important to mention uh, that this is a tool to ease traveling, to make it possible for Europeans to move around the member states safely rather than to restrict them from doing so. Therefore, the document will attest not only that a person has been vaccinated against coronavirus, but also alternatively um, that they have got a recent negative test result or they have recovered from COVID-19. So that means that person who haven't got the job yet or doesn't want to get it at all still can travel if he or she has a negative test result. Or if a person has recently recovered from the virus, it stirred a lot of discussions within the EU institutions on how to ensure that this document is not discriminatory for any age group. And what other use could this green certificate have? Could it work as a password and other activities such as free entrance to entertainment facilities, sports and, and all that? Yeah, I think we're all interested in that. Uh, but this might be the part where like, it will stir more discussions as well in the ongoing trilogue, as it seems like the council is more open on this and seems like the council is okay if the data would be used for other purposes. 
Um, in its uh, negotiating mandate, for example, it was added that data may be pro processed for other purposes, including retention periods. But both the Commission and the Parliament seem to be against potential non-travel uses of the green certificates. Basically, that they shouldn't be used internally by the member states for allowing people to go to the theater or a restaurant or any public places, spaces. So it should be only for the free movement of persons. And our time is up for this week. I am Evikiori and this was Euractiv's Yellow Room. We will be back on your feed in two weeks' time. Until then, visit youractive.com for the latest news and don't forget to listen to this podcast on your favorite podcasting platform. Thank you very much for listening. See you soon.